Welcome to Tanya's Good Vibes Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything that makes us feel good, we exude positivity, we party through love and light, and we talk about all the blessings through the tough parts of our personal journeys. My guest today is a stay-at-home mom turned podcaster. Her podcast is called Raising Fearless Girls, where she helps other moms raise extraordinary daughters. She's here today to share her personal journey and talk about ways that we can become the number one role model to our daughters through our own habits and behaviors. Let's give a warm welcome to Sarah McGill. So happy to have you here today. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing pretty well. And there's a lot going on. I don't know when this is going to air, but the kids have been home for gosh, three months now, distance learning, and it's been Mm. quite a journey. And now we're learning about some other world issues that are going on and it's good for them to learn about and understand. So to know what's going on. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of awareness that's being brought in the world. This, I don't know when that's going to air either, but it's something that's ongoing that's been going on for generations and generations. So it is to keep our children educated and and know what's going on in the world. And so how have you been coping during this quarantine besides the education part? Have you guys been starting any new uh, activities or anything going on with the girls? Yes, we've done some, well, when we were in quarantine with school, with distance learning, it was very much, how can I help you guys get through your schoolwork? And it was very different for both of my girls. One of them is in fourth grade and she had not nearly as much work as the middle schooler. And the middle schooler had eight different teachers and things were coming at her from eight different teachers. And they they didn't know how much work the other teacher was giving. So it turned out to just be a, a a large pile every day, but we, we quelled that a little bit. And I talked to teachers and we just let some things go. That said, I found that time to be very difficult to introduce them or teach them or create, get creative with them. It was hard because school was Mm -hmm. such a big part. At first I was like, we're going to start a little bit of a, uh, a schedule or a little plan every day did that the first day and they were like, wait a minute, can't we just have one full week off of doing what we want? And I said, you know what? Yes. Fine. <laughs> you guys play as much Minecraft as you want, watch whatever TV shows you want. And my goal was for them to get it out of their systems and to just really realize that sitting in front of the TV or in front of their phones or iPads or whatever was um, just going to get old and boring mm-hmm. and they would hopefully want to do new things. And it worked because this Monday I said, okay, let's do something else. And they were game. We talked about some goals that they wanted to set for themselves. And my oldest would like to start learning some physics before school starts. And she, wow. yeah, I know she's going Good to be a for freshman. Her. So she wants to try to get into this AP course and she just wants to get a leg up on that. And the youngest has her goal of getting through some of the Harry Potter novels. And okay. He's going to be in fifth and we have this little incentive where if you finish the book, we get to watch the movie and who doesn't like to watch the movie? So (laughs) that's what we're doing. And, you know, I want to teach them some other things like 
We taught, I taught them how to write a thank you note. Some little goals like that, that I want them to have some little life skills, but we're trying to get outside too. I know yeah. that's a lot, long story, but. No, that's great. My daughter, I've, I've been trying to get her off TikTok a little bit because that's the thing these days. And I bought her a, a penny board. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like a mini skateboard. It's the thing now. So we, we found a really cheap one at, at a local store and we've been going out every day. So my goal was to get her outside as much as possible and get her reading. So that's a little bit of a tough thing because she's a lot more visual than she is with words. <laughs> but uh, we do, I sit down with her and we take a chapter book and we, I read one page and she reads the other. So it becomes a mother-daughter bonding moment and then we discuss the chapter after it's done. So it's, it's I love going that. good. Yeah, thank you. I love that because I tell you the older one is more, she can read and she reads very fast. Obviously she can read. She reads very quickly. It's a, she enjoys it very much. And my younger one is a little bit more hesitant. She likes, like you said, she's more visual mm. and I'm going to try that with her. I'm definitely going to try that with her. So thanks for that suggestion. Oh, no problem. So your podcast, love, love what it's all about, raising fearless girls. So tell me a little bit about your personal journey and the story behind starting that podcast. Sure. Growing up, I was, we moved around a lot and I call myself now, I was a modern day nomad because every couple of years, my father's job, not military, but just his job would move us from state to state. And then I married a man in the military, uh, Air Force. And so we just kept on moving. Mm. And because I moved so much, I, I was never in one spot very long. It was, it'd be like three years, two years. And so I never really connected very closely with, didn't have really deep friendships with anybody. By the time I showed up somewhere, everyone already had all their friends. A lot of these kids had been living in this one city since they were born and they played soccer with these kids and all these things. So they had these great bonds and I really didn't. And mm. when my husband retired from the military, we moved to Denver area and we're in the suburbs. And I decided that I was going to try to work on some friendships and try to really create some deep friendships. And I knew that my kids we're going to do the same. So when we moved to Denver, the girls were quite young. The f my youngest was still in preschool and my oldest was only in first grade. Okay. So I knew that she was, I wanted them to be able to form these good, deep, long lasting friendships. I didn't really want them to deal with what I dealt with, which mm. wasn't traumatizing or anything, but just different. Right. So once we got into, we got them into school and we got everything going, I really connected with some of the moms in this school. And to the point where one of my friends from outside of this one particular group of second grade moms noticed, she's like, Sarah, you're in a clique. And I said, friend, there's no such thing as cliques when you're an adult. <laughs> she said, let's look at the facts. <laughs> and she talked with me about it. And I said, whoa, maybe you're right. And I'd never, the truth is I'd never been in a clique I was never in one place long enough to be a part of Click. Mm. I just didn't see it or feel it. But the more she talked about it and pointed some things out, I thought, wow, I totally agree. And some of the moms, I just wasn't jiving with. And there was, ah, oh, it's hard to tell you this, it's hard to say this out loud, but there was bullying involved mm. in the way of relational aggression. 
So it's girl, it's what we call girl bullying. It's relational aggression is just, it's not the, Hey, I'm going to hit you and steal your lunch money or, but it's talking behind your back and saying things and sneaky and excluding people on purpose. And this is something that adult women can do very well. Yes. But I'd never experienced it even as an adult. So this was new to me and very uncomfortable. And when I figured out that this was going on, I decided to take a step back and remove myself from this friend group. The issue was that my daughter, all of our, these, I called them the second grade moms. All of our kids played together. All of our little girls were friends Mm -hmm. and some of the moms had boys, but most of them had little girls. And that's kind of how we became friends. We met through the kids, but I am fully aware that moms were talking in front of their daughters because my child within a week or two, after I really took a step back from this group of friends, she started getting bullied at school by these little girls who are the daughters of these women. And this is the first time I've spoken about this uh, publicly. This is a little hard. It's really hard, but it, it happens so much. We have such a strong impact on our kids' lives and we don't even notice how much of a role model we are to our kids and how they copy our behavior. Yeah. And so that, thank you for sharing. That's, it's very hard to say. Yeah, it, it is. And because of that situation and what happened, and I got to the point, my daughter had to be moved to a different classroom Aww. because it was relentless. And once she moved on, we started in another kid another little girl who she was friends with. And that little girl had to leave the school. It was very bad. And I know it's hard to talk about the school in that manner, but I don't think that, and I'm going on a tangent, but this was one of the reasons I started this program. I started this platform of raising fearless girls because my daughter quickly went into sort of a victimhood, victim mentality. Mm. And I know that she went that way because of the way I was navigating the situation. Mm. I I raised my girls to be nice and good and kind and friendly. And I didn't raise them to stand up for themselves. And I didn't raise them that way because I don't know how to do that myself. Because when push came to shove with that group of my adult friends, what did I do? I just backed away and backed out. And sometimes Mm. that is a brave thing to do. But I didn't your battles, yeah. stand up and say, yeah, but this time I didn't stand up and say anything. And I wish that I had, but that's, that was then. And we moved on and have done the best that we can. But I saw that my daughter, both of my daughters were just like me, didn't know how to handle these tough situations, didn't know how to stick up for themselves. And that's where I decided to start to try to work on that with them and myself. So I've done some work on myself. Let me tell you, I've done lots of work on myself <laughs> and, and I have tried to help them do work on with them too. That's amazing. And the thing is that we don't notice this because we think it's just high school or growing up, but a lot of women, a lot of mothers, a lot of parents are very clicky. And I witnessed that too when I was going through the same thing. I had my daughter, I was 17 when I got pregnant and I had her when I was 18. So I was very young and growing up in in school, she 
didn't realize she was a kid, but the mothers would shun me. They would either not want to talk to me, not hang around me, or not even, they would come up to me and say, oh, you're still, you're so young. How old are you? Oh, you had her at what age? Oh, you're such a young mom. And I used to take it so bad. I used to go home and feel sorry for myself. I feel less than, or I feel, I don't feel like I should be a mother because I'm so young. And at first I let it get to me and then I changed my way of thinking. I was like, you know what? Okay, I am a young mom. So how can I use that? And so when people would ask me, oh, or, or say how, ask me, how old are you? Or say, oh, you're such a young mom. I would say, yes, I'm a young mom. And so that means I have a lot more energy and that means I still have an imagination. I could still play, play with my child. It's could still, I still remember what it feels like to be. Mm-hmm. And they would, after they'd be like, oh, that's different. Okay. And then after that, they never bothered me, but I was always excluded. I would go to any events, bake sales or uh, barbecues that the school would have. And I would always be the one with the kids playing with the kids and the mothers would be in a corner, either staring at me, looking down, talking behind my back or just ignoring me completely. And that happened for pretty much her She's in grade five right now, and it happened since kindergarten. Now, some mothers are, are a little bit nicer to me, and they're my friends because they have no choice. My, my daughter is friends with their daughters, so they have to talk to me, but it took a, a very long time. It took about four or five years for them to even acknowledge me as a mother and as a person. And there's enough judgment and difficulty and stress being a mom without having any of that outside of and for you to have mm. to deal with that too i'm so sorry mm. it's it's not okay it's no not okay it's not okay but it needs to be said because there is a mother out there that is feeling that way and they're feeling shunned or they're feeling different or there there are a lot of we're already mean to ourselves saying am i being a good mother why should we put down other mothers just because of their age or their race or just who they are in general so so yeah. moms can be vicious. That's the, it's so hard. It's something that I have learned and we can be so vicious and so judgmental over the smallest things, dressing your kid a certain way or certain brands, or if it's how you, what you feed your kids, what you let your kids watch. It's just become, and I feel like it's so overwhelming and it, it puts so much extra stress on mothers and mm. anyway, I'm sorry that you had to have that on top of it all. Um, but yes, I'm glad you're talking okay. about it. Please keep talking about it because <laughs> the young moms, you're absolutely right. You've got more energy and I, think <laughs> I was right in the middle there. I had mine at 27 and 31, but you've got more energy. Mm-hmm. You are more fun. It's you know, yeah. you probably are more fun. <laughs> I'm that mom like going down the slide with my kid and being silly at the park. That's me, but it's always going to be me. Even if I have a kid now at 30, I'll still be doing the same thing. It's just good for you. <laughs> yeah. So You started this podcast to bring awareness, but also to make sure that you're getting the message out to raise these fearless, young, beautiful girls. So what does it mean to be fearless in your definition? Yeah, that's a good question. In my mind, I call them my three C's. It's, I love alliteration. It went together for me, but fearless girls are girls who are raised to be capable and compassionate and confident. And oh, I love that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's when, if your girl is capable, if she knows that she's capable of doing hard things, it makes her fearless. She's able to take risks and it, that will put confidence in her. If she's compassionate, she's going to be kind. She's going to stand up for others. She's not going to bully others. Mm. And when they're confident, God, there's the confidence. It just embodies so much when it comes to girls. It's like around a certain age, they just be, start to have this awareness mm. and their confidence. It's around the tweens age. Their <laughs> confidence studies have shown it just drops. It just takes a nosedive. Mm. And why? We wonder, and then research is saying there's, it's because of their awareness. They're suddenly aware of everyone around them. But I also feel like there's another part of that's, yes, they're a little more mature than boys. So they see that first, but there's because other girls are looking and judging mm. and I know it goes both ways, but they're scared to do anything. They're scared of what people are going to think, what people are, are going to say. And for my youngest, it happened really early because of the bullying. She became very aware of everything she said, everything she wore, and she became very anxious and my goal was to instill more confidence in her. So confidence I had, it's, that is like one of the, that's one of the three, I, the three C's and the three pillars, I think, of raising a fearless girl. So how did you, how are you able to build that confidence? What did you start doing to make sure that she knew that she was a beautiful, strong, smart, young lady? Hmm, that's a great question. When this started, I told you we had to move her to a different class. So that was part of it, just moving her out of that situation and trying to let her relax a little bit in the new classroom. And it was still tough. But we also, she had asked about starting gymnastics. And I thought, yes, absolutely. Let's go try this. So I remember taking her to a class and this was right after she had been moved out of this class. She was still in second grade at the time. And the first class and she went in now let me tell you that i had watched this little girl slowly decline into this very anxious sad broken shell of herself and that's such Aww. a hard thing to talk about she was seven she was seven oh, years old so young mm -hmm. and to watch that happen and and upset and scared to go to school it was it was so hard to watch as a mother and, and my husband too it's hard to watch her as parents and try to fix and change so when she was interested in trying gymnastics, we were all for it. We got there and she went through this class and I'm watching her and I'm watching her through the glass and I see her interacting with the teacher, with the kids, because she had become very quiet and not want to talk to kids. Mm -hmm. And I saw her smile and Aww. I saw her laughing and I started crying to, you know, my, and tearing up myself. And when the class was done, I walked up to the teacher afterward and I said, Oh yeah, I cannot thank you enough. I cannot thank you enough. I have not seen my child smile or laugh like that in weeks. I explained what had happened with her at school just briefly. And she said, Oh my gosh. And then she starts crying and I'm crying and she keeps like, I need to give you a hug. And she gave me a hug. And we still see this teacher there and she's still at the same gymnastics uh, 
studio, same gym. And we still see that teacher there and just such a wonderful woman, but that became her thing. I saw her shining in a different way. Mm. She needed to find something that mattered more than this other stuff that was hurting her. And so gymnastics became that for her. And one of the things I talk about, my other, my oldest daughter does some acting in her school plays. And one of the things I talk about with really trying to create confidence, confident daughters is getting them up on stage in front of people. Yeah. So even in gymnastics, they have, my daughter has a little showcase at the end of the semester each time Mm -hmm. and she'll be shy and scared to go up there. And I will, I have to push her sometimes to get up there, but it's worth it because both of them, I tell them they have to be up on stage. You have to be in front of people. You have to be comfortable doing these hard things. Yeah. The earlier you can get your daughter up there in front of people, the more, the earlier she will start to feel that confidence because Mm -hmm. that's a scary thing to do. It's Um, so scary. Yeah. Even even if it's just dance or like you're saying, acting is such a great way to get up out there. And uh, I did the same thing as you. I put my daughter in dance, acting camp, gymnastics. And I just watched her flourish with just doing those things. And like you said, so nervous, but it's a good feeling, right? Once you actually accomplish it, even if you mess up, you're like, wow, I, I actually went up there and I spoke and, or I danced and I did my thing and people were clapping and it it changes, it changes you. So it's good that, yeah, that you start at a very young age. Yes. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I talk to the girls about is it's okay to make mistakes. And I think that's a big Mm -hmm. one that people are talking about now. It's, we know now as adults that it's okay to show our children that we make mistakes. And Mm -hmm. I took my girls once to watch me. I'm in Toastmasters. So I give speeches. Uh, I try to talk about this, about raising fearless girls. And one particular day we had a weekend that my girls could come and watch. And I had practiced this speech backwards and forwards and up and down and all the ways. And I, I got up there to give my speech. It's only five to seven minutes. And one of the, I delivered one of the lines and it got a laugh. And I wasn't expecting that. So it threw me off. And I could not remember my next line. And one thing I've learned through Toastmasters is that you don't just keep saying, and, or where was it? it?" You're supposed to just really wait it out and try to find your place. And, but the more I kept thinking, I can't find my place. And I'm like, my kids are watching me and my girls are watching me. And and my husband was there too. and, And all this was going through my mind. And it was a solid 45 seconds of silence. 45 seconds. I stood up there. Those are the long, the longest 45 seconds you ever had to do it. It felt like a year. It felt like a whole year. Um, but I finally got back on track and finished that speech. And my girls saw me do that. And afterward, they're like, it's okay. I'm like, I know it's okay. Look at me. I am alive. I made it. I survived that, that horrible silence (laughs) in front of my peers, in front of my kids, in front of my husband. And I'm still standing. And Mm. then that, which means you can do it too. If I can do it, you can do it too. Mm -hmm. It's okay if you mess up. I want them to see my mistakes. I love that. I love that. Just acknowledging your mistakes and telling them that it's okay to make mistakes. And that's how you grow. That's how you get stronger next time. Okay, I'm not going to do that again. That's really, that's a good one. I love that. 
Uh, and then going back to bullying, because I think it's such, we, even as women, we, we witness and we go through bullying and even it's all over social media and how we're supposed to look and act. And if we don't act and look that certain way, we're less than, or we're, we're not good enough. So what did you tell your daughters when they were going through that bullying stage to help them get through it? That's, oh, yes. <laughs> I, I know what I told my girl at that time. And at night she would be, she'd be upset and, and anxious and, and nervous about school the next day. And I just kept having to tell her, I said, I know you don't understand this right now because you're so little, but this is going to end. This is a blip in the radar of your life. This is a moment. And I know that it had, and it did have significant impact. Even when she got moved to the other class, she still had a hard time trusting friends and trying and making friends. It just, she didn't, she didn't trust. She was scared of what they were going to do, scared they didn't want to be friends with her, scared that they were going to turn and, and, and start Aww. bullying her too. So that was tough. And then the following year was even, we still had to work on her confidence and trying not to feel like the victim and try to trust friends. But I kept saying to her, this is not forever. This is not going to last. There will be a point in your life where you'll be able to look back on this and say that was really horrible and you will learn from it and you will know that you will never do what those girls did to you to anybody else. You'll never do that to someone and it's okay to talk about it. Also, it's okay to talk about it. We were open about it. And there were some days where it got to be too much. Every day she'd come home and there was something bad that happened. And I would say, and it wasn't even that bad, but there was that, she was just in that role of, yeah. of feeling like the victim. And I had to get her to a point. I said, we're going to start doing this rose and thorn. Okay. You tell me your thorn. You tell me the thing that did not go well today, but then I want to hear your rose. I want to hear oh, what's good. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I wanted her to oh. see that there was something good each day, even if she was feeling bad. So yeah. We did that. Oh, that's a really good one. I really like that. What was your thorn? Okay, now it was your rose. Oh, that's so just bring in the positive as well. Even Absolutely. if you had a bad day, that's really good. I'm going to use that one too. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. And it's, it's good, good to one. do with parents too. So you do it too. Bring yours up. They like to know that, hey, mom had a crappy day, something bad happened, but I'm still shining. I'm still smiling at the end of the day because mm. I can see the good somewhere else or something, something else that happened. I even do that. Like I ask sometimes my dog, now we live, we're always together. So we already know what our days were like, but I would pick her up and instead of saying, how was your day? Oh, good. Whatever. I would say, so what happened today? What did you learn today or what? And just by asking those different questions, it opened up you know, did what good happened today? What bad happened today? So she was able to express herself and tell me what was going on. And then eventually she started asking me what good, what happened. And it took me a little bit of back. I was like, what? You want to know? Okay. I had a terrible meeting today that I started <laughs> on my, my public speaking, and it, but it, but I'm good. It, you know, it, it, everything ha ended up working out and everyone laughed when I stuttered. It's just so, it's so interesting how our habits can translate to our kids and before we move on to the next subject i like to just bring 
my daughter's story into this because it's so strong and bullying is still, even if there's a lot of awareness, it's just, it's still happening. And with my daughter, I remember she was about six years old and for a good week, she would come home and say, am I beautiful? Am I pretty? I don't think I'm beautiful. And I would be like, what are you talking about? You're so gorgeous. Look at you. You're smart. You're amazing. You're this, you're that. But I, at the time, I didn't realize that it was coming from somewhere. She was asking because people were telling her she wasn't beautiful. And then one day it just all exploded. She started crying and saying, I'm ugly. She's mixed. She's half black, half white. So she was saying, my, my nose is big. People are laughing because my nose, my lips are big. I don't look like everyone else. Why is everyone making fun of my curly hair? Why is everyone look different than me? And so I had to have that hard conversation at six years old that, are you crazy? You're beautiful. Look at your features. People pay. When you're an adult, people are going to pay to look like they're going to pay to inject things in your lips to have beautiful big lips like you do and uh, I really had to take a step back and say wow like bullying with racism is still a big thing and I had to teach her that yes you're beautiful and but the most important thing is to be kind and throughout her life now she knows she's beautiful she's very confident (laughs) good I love that I love that now it's more of a like teaching her take a step back and be nice to people and be, show your confidence. Yes. But also help other people around you. So it's a different kind of uh, teaching, but yeah, it took uh, a good few years to instill that in her, that she was beautiful because she's different and because she's mixed and yeah, it was tough. So. I'm glad that she's that's changed and that is something you guys have overcome together because that is difficult. Excuse me. And that's something that some people, especially women, some women will carry this throughout their entire lives, Mm. throughout their entire lives. One comment that somebody says when they're little can carry with them forever. So Mm. I'm glad that you addressed that. It's great that she asked you and talked about it and that you're able to address it, talk about it and, and say, Nope, that's absolutely wrong. That's absolutely wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it took it took a while for her to open up to me, but then eventually it just exploded. And she always would look up to me and say, oh, I want straight hair like you, or I want blue eyes like you. And she has light eyes, but like she wanted to look like me. And I'm like, you're never going to look like me. You have parts of me, but you are, you're so beautiful. You're much more beautiful because you have the best of both worlds. So yeah, it took a little while and now she's a little sassy pants. (laughs) We talk a lot about how our habits and who we are translates onto our, our children. And this comes from our mothers, our grandparents, great grandparents, trickles down to us. And a lot of things have changed uh, in the way that women are treated today and our thought process. To be able to raise our fearless daughters, how can we change our habits as mothers when we have these ideas ingrained in our mind? Do you have any tips or anything you want to say on that? Mm -hmm. I do. Yes. I think, first of all, you have to be aware that it's happening. And that is one of the reasons I started this podcast. It really is for the moms. It's Mm. so that moms are aware that we are our daughter's number one role model, whether you like it or not, um, whether you're close or not, your daughter will pick up your habits. 
you are the same sex. You, she is your child. She gravitates towards what you do. She sees what mom does. She does what you do. And because of that, we do need to be aware. And I think so many of us aren't right. Like it's, there are moms who will talk about very adult things in front of their children. And then you'll see the kids go and they're, so they're picking these up, they're learning this and they'll go talk about it with their friends. And Mm. when they're too young to know not to talk about things or it's just, it it just, it gets out there. Mm. But the parents sometimes think moms, kids aren't even listening or whatever. They're listening to everything. Watching you. Mm -hmm. They're watching how you treat people. They're watching how you talk about people. They're watching how organized you are. I'm not that organized and (laughs) ding, ding, surprise. My girls are not that organized. I tend to be forgetful about certain things. They're the same way. My husband is not, he's very organized. He's not forgetful about that kind of stuff, but who do they pick up the habit from? Me. They watch me more closely. I spend more time with them. I have, I was a stay at home mom, but even if you're not the stay at home mom, they're still going to pick up what you do because they closely relate to you. Mm. I'm trying to get moms to do is be aware of what they're saying, thinking, doing, and how they're treating their kids, how they're treating their daughters and how they are connecting with their daughters. Mm. Some moms don't do that enough. And some moms think that certain connections are enough. And sometimes it's just working on yourself. You do have to be aware first. And so when I was aware that they were picking up my habits and my inability to stand up and stand tall and, and be confident in those hard situations, I started reading. And maybe that's the first thing you do is you go find the right book you and, and do the research. I started researching. How can I change myself? How can I fix what I'm doing? And then you have to start doing it. Mm-hmm. There is something about consistency that I, mean, I cannot say enough about consistency. You have to change your habits and be 100% consistent. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did do. I started reading some of the, these books. I started doing my research and then this podcast came about because I wanted to know more. I wanted to talk to more experts and I wanted everyone else to know more and hear from these experts and even things that I'm picking up and reading and I can relay to my audience. I want moms to be so aware of what you're saying to your kids, what you're doing in front of your girls and what you are, your beliefs, they're picking it up. Mm -hmm. And even if you lose your cool, we all have our bad moments where we, you know, get upset or take, have a little temper tantrum. And I used to let my ego kick in and just let it go and move on. But then I started taking my daughter and actually apologizing for my behavior. Sometimes I would lose my temper and start yelling or saying, ah, like your room is so messy. Ah." (laughs) but then I'd say okay like how can I change myself to better communicate with my daughter and to also show her that I make mistakes too and I would take her put her next to me and say Maya I'm really sorry for what I said or what I did I was upset because of this and I I apologize And after doing that, she started doing the same thing to me, apologizing. And it was a lot easier for her to admit that she did something wrong or be open and more communicative with me. Yeah, it's definitely your behaviors. Yes. And on that note about apologizing, like that's not something I think our generation was raised with. I don't know about your parents. When parents didn't apologize when they did something that was... 
I'm not saying they were in the wrong, but maybe the yelling or whatever it was got maybe was a little bit much, but they didn't mm. apologize. But no one in our parents' generation did. You were the parent and you were in the right no matter what. Exactly. You're realizing now that if you want a really good, deep relationship with your kids, you need to show them that you make mistakes too. You right. aren't perfect. Because then they're not going to try to, they don't have to strive for perfection themselves in that manner, trying to have the perfect behavior and such. It is okay. They know. I have, I've lost my cool in front of my kids. They lose it in front of me. And my <laughs> husband's done it too. And we are, I wouldn't say quick to apologize because I don't want that to, I don't always want that to seem like, um, not fake, but just a reaction. Mm -hmm. I actually will go and sit with my thoughts and think about how I want to apologize and let her know that I know that X, Y, and Z that I said or did was hurtful and not okay. And that's something else we've started doing too. They're like, if I apologize, she'll say, it's okay. I go, no, you don't have to say it's okay. Cause my behavior just now was not okay. You can accept my apology. So please go for it. I would love your for you to accept my apology, but do not tell me that what I did was okay. Cause I know it wasn't. And they're like, mm. okay. <laughs> That's a good one. That could actually be done actually in your relationships with people in general. Yeah. Yeah. Bring that about to everybody. But I did notice that these are two little people that I love more than any other little people in the world. <laughs> and I don't want them to think that, be, that I don't, that I don't know that was wrong. I know there's times where I can yell at them and it's no, that was deserved and that was necessary or whatever. Mm. But there are times when it was just down uncalled for on my part. And right. that's when I own it. Same. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. Before I let you go, do you have any last thoughts or tips or anything that you want to say to end this off? I didn't prepare for that one, Tanya. <laughs> let me think for a sec. I want to say that it's never too late to make a change in your life for the betterment of your relationship with your daughter. I realized it in my mind. I, I felt like it was very late. You find, you read these books, you start reading the books on being a better mother. And I'll say, I, I started reading the books on being a better mother. And I thought, whoa, I was supposed to start this when they were two or three <laughs> or kindergarten. And I thought I'm too late. But no, you're never too late. The more I kept reading, the more I was reassured that it's never too late. No matter what you can do it, do what you can to have a relationship with your daughter in a way that you are raising her to be competent, to be capable, to be compassionate towards others. Mm. It's so important. And if you look inside yourself and as a mom, that you're not doing that and you are not setting that example for her, you got to make the change first. Right. Make change first. It's never too late. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. Uh, for more information on Sarah and where to find her podcast, please check the description. If you want to hear more good vibes, please subscribe, like, or spread some good vibes by sharing this podcast with a friend. Thank you to all our beautiful listeners who tuned in today. And thank you again, Sarah. It was so awesome connecting with you and talking about how to raise fearless girls. Thank you for having me. Yay. <laughs>